0: Hello world, this is the Board Dads Podcast. I am your not host, your co-host, Sean O'Born, along with my younger brother.
1: Also a co-host, Andrew O'Born. We're co-hosters, co-hosting. Together. Together, as co-hosts. And
0: this is our inaugural first ever episode of the Board Dads Podcast. And today we're talking about a vintage game that we've played some time ago, but it's still fresh in our minds. The epic battle game of Battle Masters, if you'll pardon the alliteration. So, uh, this game was first came out in 1992. I believe it's out of print, and I think there's only just the one edition. They have different language editions, but I think there's only one actual this main game edition. They didn't ever actually change it. Um, it's released by Milton Bradley um, in conjunction with uh, Games Workshop. I believe Games Workshop helped him kind of design some of the minis and things. But it is a miniatures-based game, and basically to kind of jump right into this thing, I thought it was a pretty fun game. I'll talk about that a little bit later. but The game is basically meant for two players, that's kind of how it's designed for, but you can play uh, with up to two to four players, I believe, and what happens is is there's basically two sides, uh, two opposing sides in the game. There's the the kingdom, which is basically the humans, and then there is the forces of chaos um, under Gorfist, the chaos destroyer.
1: He sounds like a bad dude. He is. And the, the good guys, the humans, I don't know, good guys is a relative term, but they're the Imperials, or the Imperial Army. Yeah, or the Empire.
0: Their leader is Grand Duke Ferdinand.
1: The same Grand Duke Ferdinand in World War One. That's a different, that's Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Rest in peace. They're brothers. Moment of silence. They're board brothers.
0: Anyway, so uh, basically the way this is this is set up is there's five separate battles that make up the one campaign that comes in the instruction booklet. And um, they're, they're basically kind of set piece battles where the the game tells you where to place each of your army, each of your armies on the map. And it kind of gives you a little bit of some flavor in there, some lore of, you know, what's going on. You know, Gorphis comes across the river, whatever. And, and you know, that kind of thing. So if you're into that, there is a, there is a lot of that in there. There's kind of a storyline that it follows of this invading, Army of chaos from who knows where coming to destroy the empire, you know, save the world kind of thing. the The way this works is wh- whichever whichever side wins each battle, you get a certain number of points for each battle you win. And then at the end of the five battles or the end of the campaign, whoever has the most points is the actual ultimate winner. So I did like that aspect of it because it's kind of one of those things where you can lose a battle to still win the war. It's a lot more difficult to win that war, but it still can be done. Can be done. So, But let's talk about the components. So uh, the components in this one, there's basically 26 units total. The Imperial Army has 11 units. The Chaos Army has 14. And there's actually 100 separate minis or miniatures that you play with. But that's a little bit of a, I don't want to say a misnomer, but the way that it's actually set up is that each miniature comes on a little platform or a, or a um, what do we, what we call
1: these things? The instruction manual calls it a base, but essentially it's it's a platform that faces one direction. It has kind of like a little banner on the front with a sticker on it to label. label the unit. And then there's a bunch of lines that are going through it that the units, you kind of push their... It's
0: like a grid pattern. Rectangle and, base and, into it. Yeah,
1: and so you put the minis on it, and even though it said there's a hundred
0: minis, you basically put, like this one, the Chaos Warriors, Finmar's Chaos Warriors, I think there's like three or four that go on this one platform, and that is quote-unquote one unit that would go on the board, in, in on, on one space. The, the one thing we will add to this is that when you first open the game, as I understand it, everything's like in sprues, and so you kind of have to like assemble all the miniatures. Once they're assembled, they're good. However, in order to play the game, like assemble and disassemble the game every time you play, you have to f- to manually remove all of the minis from their bases, otherwise it will not fit in the box. So, that is a bit of a pain, but you kind of get to down get it down to a-, a science after a while.
1: Yeah. And some of them can remain. There's some of the shorter chaos units that are like goblins and things like that that can stay on there but when it comes to some of the mounted units that's definitely where they're gonna have to come off in order for it to, to fit in the box
0: right right and it does it does actually say they are designed to be painted so any of the, any of the miniature mini painters out there they they, they do work they, they are plastic minis but I guess they are designed for for painting I guess that's a, a nod to the game's workshop
1: that's your jam yeah
0: input there in the, in the minis but um, and anyway the way this game is played is you lay out each each side lays out there. Uh, units on a, a board, and the board is actually not a board, it's a literal like vinyl mat. We say board in quotations in internet c- quotations. Yes, air quotes. Uh, because the board itself is an actual vinyl mat that is, how big is it again? I think you know, four and a half by five feet wide. So it's, I mean, you have to find a pretty big table to fit this thing. And it's basically an aerial view of the battlefield, and on the mat, are little hexes like kind of actually larger size hexes, and one unit can go on each hex, and each unit can move basically one space every time. And then there's also a three dimensional plastic tower that you have to assemble and disassemble every time you play. That goes on a certain spot on the map as well.
1: And I'd probably say that when assembled, that thing probably stands six inches tall, maybe probably, maybe a little, yeah. little taller. Mm-hmm. And it has space
0: for one unit to stand on top of it. You can, they can actually stand on top of the the actual. Uh, Tower is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, when they stay on top of the tower, it gives that units um, some some buffs um, when attacking and defending. So it's right, it's a, a, some it's some bonuses. A handy.
0: yeah, and so anyway, what what you do is each player lines up their their side according to what the instructions say. If you're following the set piece battles provided for you in the instruction manual, and then you basically do you decide who goes first? No, it doesn't matter because the way the way that, yeah. that, that that turn order and the way that unit movement is determined is by a single stack of cards, and anyone can draw the cards, it doesn't really matter, but you draw one card at a time, and on the card there isn't even any words or any reading necessary. It's literally just a picture of which unit can move next. So you might draw a card that shows just the Imperial Cavalry, just a picture of the Imperial Cavalry. That means all the Imperial Cavalry get to move and attack once. And you might draw three of those in a row. You might draw one in a row. It might might take you, you know, ten cards before you draw one. You don't really know because they're all shuffled. Um, and same thing for all the characters. Um, once a unit is killed, so like let's say for example your cavalry are all killed, you actually remove those cards from the deck, and so you, you know, you don't have to worry about like wasting a draw just from, you know, not, not being able to move and stuff. And then once you go through the deck, you actually reshuffle it and do it again. You keep doing that over and over and over again until the game is over.
1: And it sounds like a pain, but when we had played it, basically I tasked Sean as the card drawer. So he he, he was responsible for sh- for drawing the cards. I was responsible for shuffling them because, I don't know, He can't, can you do
0: that? I'm not a shuffler. He's not
1: a shuffler. I can shuffle well. Yeah. I shuffle very well.
0: I can shuffle like a dance shuffle, but not with, not with cards. Oh. Um, and then the way that combat is determined is by a roll of special dice for the game. There's uh, red and blue dice. Red for the attacking, blue for the defending.
1: Hold and- on now. The battle dice are all red. Oh, are they all red? They're all red. My bad. Um, sorry. It's okay. It's late. It's it's late here in Boredad Land. But the the Bored battle Boredadia, Bored there you go. But the battle dice are all they're red and they are six they're six sided dice, but they are screen printed with either a screen printed blank side, a screen printed skull, or a shield. And as you guessed, the shield is your defense. The skull as your attack, and your blank, blank, is blank is just a nice miss. Yeah. Um, and so each unit has um, a certain number of dice that they can roll to attack and defend, and um, you have better chances of getting a hit than you do of defending, unfortunately.
0: The other thing to add here is every unit on this board has three life. Nobody has more than three life. I Worked mean, I guess. With he, one exception. There's one exception, which is the ogre, but he's kind of a. He's kind of an odd guy. Has we'll talk set. about him a little bit. He next. has his own set of rules, but everyone else, whether you're the strongest, like king's cavalry, or the the, the crappiest little goblins, every single person has three life. So yeah, three you hits. get you get three hits. You're dead, and once you're dead, there is no coming back. There's no medic. There's no spells. There's no magic where you can like bring your guys back to life. Once they're gone, they're gone for that entire battle. Somehow they come back to life
1: in the next battle.
0: Right. And speaking of next battles, the other kind of um, interesting part of this game is that. Who, whichever side wins, um, most of the time you basically essentially play an elimination game, so it's just kind of until last, last man, standing man standing wins. Room. And whichever whichever side wins, whatever um, units. units he has that are still alive, they actually become experienced or elite units in the next battle. So they get a little, you know, mark like marker that goes on them. And that gives them. I think is it one additional die. They get
1: one additional die in attack and defense. So they get, they get promoted. They get all the glory, but none of the pay. Right, right.
0: Now with all that, with that that setup, that long setup, and how this game uh, functions and what it, the basic premise is, um, I will say the first time we played, it, it took us um, I would say a couple a couple of days if we were to do it all consecutively to play one campaign. I played for the, fir- for the first campaign, I played as the Imperial Army the entire time. My brother Andrew was the uh, Chaos Army the entire time. What was the result of that campaign, bro?
1: Let's just say I was the victorious army yeah, the whole I time. Did-
0: I didn't win a single battle. There was one or two where I came kind of close, but I got smoked.
1: Now, I will say, as the Chaos Army player, yes, I outnumber him, but he's got more powerful units than I do.
0: Dish, I have more cavalry. For
1: more cavalry and the cavalrys for that that he does is they they do a lot of damage uh, or they have capability to to do a lot of work because um they they roll a high number of dice and I this is just me but I think that they have more cards more cavalry cards in the deck than any other unit card. It's possible we didn't actually verify that, but, no, it, but it, it felt like it. I'm gonna go on the record as saying that's what I feel like.
0: But it didn't it didn't seem to matter, did it?
1: Well, it didn't it didn't seem to matter, but it came it came really really close where. I had one unit left, and he had one unit left, and by the luck of what's my guy's name? Gorfish. Gorfish. By the by, you know, by Gorfish' luck, I was able to pull a win out from there. But but by and large, I went all in as Goblin, you know, Orc armies do. Just chaos all. was smiling down upon you. Chaos, K- chaos was frowning on me because chaos frowns. I, I I brought shame to my duke. You did. Anyway, but uh, but the result was it was a, a rout. Just. Clean, plain and simple, I, I I cleaned him up almost every single time without much trouble. Reekwald was a flame.
0: What does that mean? A flame? No, Reekwald. on fire. Reekwald, R E K W A L D, is the fictional land of this campaign this this takes place in. Okay. Also, again, for what it's worth, if you don't like following the set piece battles, the actual instruction manual does give you um, the option of setting it up however you want, and so you can play an infinite number of battles and just any any number of combinations. You can use the tower, not use the tower. The very first battle, the whole objective is to get the tower. Or so if if, if Gore Fist, if the Chaos Army gets the tower, then the game's over, then that battle's over and Empire loses. Yes. Um every 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 other game that every other battle we played, the tower was there, but it was kind of like, oh, you can have a guy up there, and it really benefits your archers if they're up there. But if you're not near it, it really is
1: pointless. It's really pointless. But uh, but I will say this though, as the Imperial army player, uh, excuse me, as the Chaos army player, I only had two sets of, I have two groups of archers, and that's it. He had two archers, two groups of archers, and a group of crossbowmen. And the crossbowmen co- have further range. The crossbowmen have further range. But that being said, if he was able to get somebody up there. The, the vast majority of my guys are melee characters, and so they've got to get right up on the tower in order to attack it.
0: And they're attacking at a, at a disadvantage. And they're
1: attacking at a disadvantage at the same time while he's attacking and defending at an advantage. So getting someone up there, and, you know, if I have to just eliminate him, could be advantageous to him if he can, you know, manage to roll his dice well in attacking and defending. Yeah. And we did, just just to kind of test the
0: waters and make sure it wasn't, like, a skill thing for us, we actually did play at least one battle... At BGG Con uh, 2017, shout out uh, in Dallas, and um, this time we set it up. And we had to put two tables together, and we set it up. And I played as the Chaos Army, and Andrew was the Imperial Army, so we kind of switched
1: this, the sides there. And what was the result of that first battle? Well, I think the listeners, all one of them, would expect that. And that, well, I'm sorry, mom, but um, Hi mom, hey mom, <laughs> but that I would win. But no, I uh, I did not win. It was a pretty pretty good shutout. I, as the Imperial Army, was just not getting good rolls. He had lots of, um, you know, like like we had said earlier, lots of turns in a row from the draw deck, and so I had lots of wasted turns because he had, you know, killed all my my men, my men at arms, for example, or all my cavalry, and those cards were drawn, and I'm not able to do anything about. Can't them. bring them back. Yeah. There. So we did we did kind of entertain the idea of you, could, you might be able to
0: house rule this thing where you know maybe you have like oh look Merlin showed up and he could bring people back from the dead you well, know you can uh, this is a different different era sir true yeah because there is no magic in this per se there's no it doesn't discuss anything there so but you know I, I think you could probably house rule some of this stuff where you know, maybe give your guys one life more or you know allow them to just be wounded first or something of that
1: nature yeah. And like I said it doesn't make sense that my puny goblins, can take three damage, but your lord knights, which are the most heavily armored unit you have, also take three damage and then die.
0: Right. Um, it doesn't make much sense. Also, every single unit can only move one space and attack. That's all they can do,
1: with well, the move- with the exception
0: of art- archers who can move or attack. But still, again, they can only move one space. So even if you're so whether you're a cavalry on a horse, you know, hint more movement, or like a footman, you can still only move one space That's on the right. board. Well, unless, I unless the card says otherwise, because there are a couple cards that says like a charge, you can move two spaces, but... Have you ever tried
1: to, to have a foot race against the horse?
0: Yeah, the horse would win. I that's tie my, the horse that, every that's, time. That's, it's that's always a tie. my point. It's always a tie. So, but anyway, enough about
1: me. So, I don't know. I mean, what what, what are your thoughts on this game, brother? Um, well, you know, before we jump to that, I thought we could talk about these fools. Each side has two special units that uh, we alluded to before. Um, there's the Ogre Champion, and he's... Um, an awesome '90s version of a ogre or Hulk-looking dude, but he's got his own rules. Think, think like a Warcraft grunt, but very large. Um Anyway, Swabu. like that. Yeah. What? Don't worry about it. Zug, zug. Actually, zug, zug. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Now we have to play, play Blizzard. Oh, Blizzard. Day. Play Blizzard. Blizzard. Wow. Ten Sorry, cents. Sorry, guys. Ten cents. There you go. Sponsored. Shout out to Blizzard. Yeah. But, uh, but he, like I said, he has his own special rules, and when his card is drawn from the deck of units... He
0: has his own deck of cards. He has cards. his own
1: deck of six cards, which dictate his movement and his attack. And so, so I, as the Chaos player, get to draw his first card. If it's an attack and there's bad guys around me, um, I can attack. If there's no bad guys around me, then I have to ignore the card. And then I would keep drawing until all six are there, so... So his movement and attack is kind of randomized. It's like he's got some legion on his brain. He can't decide quite what he wants to do. So he's just like, oh, I think I'll he's attack a, he's here. He's a berserker, bro. He he's, just goes berserker. Yeah, He's going berserk. I think I'm going to swing at nothing and then walk into the enemy and then do I nothing. can only do one or the other, though. I yeah. can't. He's, he, <laughs> he's very limited. Um, he's not very good at chewing gum and walking he, he can't. And he is also the only unit to have more than three life. He actually has six. Um, and each time he gets a hit, A successful hit on him, one of his special cards is removed. You remove a random card. Yes. And so essentially, if he has three hits, he could be good for nothing but just to walk around. He has three movement cards, and that's all he can do. So he can become a lame ogre very, very, very quickly. Or just a distraction. Or just a punching bag, I guess. Yeah, which is kind of dumb because. What are you going to do? Just ignore him till the very end and just murder, yeah. so him. So the way the
0: way his the way his movement works is when you're drawing the the main battle card deck, you might draw the card that shows the the ogre champion. Well, then you turn over and use his six cards that are set aside just for him, and you draw them. They're always shuffled, and you, you have to you have to do them in the order because the cards are face down. You have to draw the ogre cards in the, and then do what it says on the card in the order it does. Yeah, so it might be time. it might be movement, 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 attack, 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 and you have to do it in that order. So yes. you can
1: choose which direction you move but other than and that And you can choose to ignore a card if you wish Right Which is nice it's, it's nice that they give you that choice Right Now to counter this Mighty Ogre Champion the Imperial Army has what they call the Mighty Cannon and the Mighty Cannon It's um, literally it's just a cannon One, It's a cannon It's a cannon with two dudes on it and um, why don't you go ahead and tell us about that bro How'd that work out for you? So and how does it work? Okay.
0: The Mighty Cannon is, is probably the weakest as far as um, like hit, hit points goes if someone were to attack like a melee guy were to attack it He's only got a uh, he only rolls two dice, which is I think the weakest out of anybody. Um, the way that he works is he can attack um, any target up to eight spaces away, which is like halfway across the map. It's, it's it's that's a really
1: long distance. That's that's yeah. way further than any um, range. The, guy can hit. The crossbowman can do a total of three. Yeah. That's um, their max. Or four if they're on the tower. So they can shoot pretty hot ha- pretty far if they're on the tower. Right. The, uh, but
0: the but the the cannon can shoot at something eight spaces away, in any direction, and you can basically as long as you can as this the hexes on the board are connected, it, you can connect them in any path you want. Yeah, and so, so he, he can he can totally do like a knuckle curveball and like swoop it around. Bouncer, yeah, bouncing cannonball yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So what you do is the, the kind of like how the ogre has his own six deck six card deck for himself, the the cannon has these little discs, these cardboard please, discs. Please, it's the Mighty Cannon. The Mighty Cannon, excuse me. The Mighty Cannon has, has cardboard discs. I think there's ten of them. And basically what you do is one of them has a target symbol on it. And whatever you choose to, whatever your target is, it's eight spaces or less away, you put the target on that, and then you literally shuffle the the, um, the discs, which are face down, and you over you turn them over in the path, the can, the, the path you chose for the path, cannon, yeah. chosen path. And there's one of three things that can happen. It can either sail overhead. And it's a picture of a cannon in the air. With, can, with swoosh line. With swoosh. Yeah, the swooshes. Not Nike swooshes, though. I wish. Um, Dang, now we have to pay sorry, Nike. Sponsor, Stop. Sponsored by Nike. To...
1: <laughs> Nike, if um, you're listening, we're sorry. Sorry, guys.
0: Just do it. And so there's one flying through the air. There's a bouncing cannonball, which shows it basically bouncing, hitting the ground. And then there's an explosion. Now, if the bouncing cannonball hits anything, even a friendly unit, it basically does, I think it's one damage, one damage to, to it. that yeah. unit. Friendly, fro fro or friendly unit alike. Or, Um, if it sails overhead, it sails overhead, no harm done. If it's an explosion, if the explosion lands on your target, great, the target is destroyed automatically. You don't even roll, you can't dodge it, it's dead.
1: Unless that target is your friend.
0: Right, well that's the thing is, the, the explosion could show up at any path in those eight spaces. So it could show up like, the second disc you turn over could be an explosion, and it would kill anything that happened to be in that spot, or if it's just like a grass, it's just pointless. The other the other hazard to this thing is and it even says it's in the rule book is apparently it's like a fifteen hundreds cannon, you know, like like sixteenth century cannon. It because like 1400s, man. It's, it's really it's really kinda of finicky because if the first disc you turn over is an explosion, then it's called a misfire, and that means the cannon basically has the potential to kill itself. So you reshuffle the the discs for the cannon, flip one over, if it's a bouncing cannonball, the cannon does one damage to itself automatically. If it's an explosion, the cannon's dead. Destroyed without without a bat of an eyelash. The stupid cannoniers don't know how to work with anything. Mm-hmm. And there's no area damage to this thing either. So I don't think I I, I think I maybe destroyed one of your units one time with it. Yep. Every other time, it was either like I got a misfire or I just completely just just didn't hit anything.
1: Yeah, and I mean the the cannon is it is advantageous to shoot through. A crowd of enemies to a guy behind because you have the potential to of, do yeah, an yeah, explosion yeah. along the way or to do a bouncing cannonball and just do some damage along the way to your target.
0: But more than anything, I feel like it's more of a deterrent. And he can move, the cannon can move as well, but he's just it, like the archers. It, yeah, just like one the archers, or the other, yeah. shooting
1: or moving. I will say this though, in our initial game, maybe even the second one, I was very, really afraid of the cannon and afraid to get in his range. Because I was like, man, this thing can smoke any one of my guys, even the ogre, in just one shot. It was an
0: unknown, yeah, unknown, unknown, unknown
1: quantity. So, I was really afraid about this mighty cannon until I found out how crappy it actually is. Not so mighty, yeah. The unmighty cannon is how it's mighty it fallen. Deep. I think
0: the first, I think the second time I tried to use it, I actually killed myself. I actually killed the cannon. I think, but anyway, those are that. Uh, that's the units. That's the game. Uh, the one thing I will add is the mighty cannon. For whatever reason, if it does happen to shoot or explode on the tower it can actually damage the tower and if it does it three times it can actually destroy the tower now i don't know why you would want to do that but i guess if you were kind of making your own game you maybe yeah maybe use that as like your you know your objective to destroy the the tower yeah because it's occupied or something
1: now overall thoughts on this you already said that you kind of that you like the game um i agree I, i thought the game was a lot of fun um, even as a losing player, it's still fun to try and strategize where you go. I mean, it's an old school style war game with the hexes and the the movement of the units and so on. Because it kind of has
0: this feel with each with each move, each thing moving one space of like a slow moving army across the battlefield. So I I kind of like that aspect of it. But it was a little bit slow getting things started because it's like flip a card over, move this guy one space, flip a card over, move this guy over one space. You know, and it, and it doesn't go back and forth. It could be you
1: know, it's I could random. have three or four turns in a row. Yeah, um, you so, know, but, but but again, by our by our second or third match, we we kind of knew what was going on and we were right into it. I will say though that that overall, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good game, good gameplay. You know, like I said, even as a losing player, I still enjoyed myself trying to figure out. Okay, well, I know what strengths the Chaos Army has. I know that he will probably beat me, just based on numbers. How can I try and get around that? Um, so I really enjoyed this this stratagem. Strat, strategery is the word I'm looking for here. It's a te- technical term. Technical term, yeah. Um, it, board, Dad, uh, do you understand? Another thing I really really enjoyed about this game is they give you a lot of extra stuff in the board in the in the box that allows you to customize, you know, modes and gameplay and so on. There is one match, one battle in the campaign where there's. Mist over the battlefield. Fog of War. Fog of War. Yeah. And you, you deploy units in secret using little cardboard chit tiles. Chit. C-H-I-T. Yes, yeah, chit. We're keeping this TV-14. 14. TV-14. 14. This is this podcast. So. Yeah, TV-14. T-V-Y-A. No, no, yeah, no swear words. Yeah. So that they have the chit board tiles that you deploy in secret. So all your opponent sees is a gray tile face down. And you just hope that you remember them. But when the Fog of War is lifted, you all your units are deployed and the battle commences. So there's, you
0: reveal them right then and
1: there. Yeah. Know. There's also um, different uh, types of scenery and obstacles that you can add to the map. Uh, impassable marshes, uh, marshes, marshes. Yeah. They even have palisade, like little walls that you can add in. That. And there is
0: a there is a river going through the map as well, and you can you can ford the river, but only like at three spots. Otherwise, you can't cross the river.
1: So, um, you but can again, the, they give you hexes that you can place over it to create a ford.
0: Right. Yeah. And so you can. I mean, I guess if you're depending on how you're designing this game, you could create like a little bottleneck there
1: and that kind of thing. So
0: there, there is some, there is some, some ability to kind of customize it and kind of make it your own, which is, which I think is really cool. I think yeah. it's how the that whole idea behind this thing.
1: It gives it pretty good replayability, in my opinion. Right.
0: I like the game as well. I did like the the old school feel of it because um, Andrew and I are kind of partial to um, vintage games anyway. And we did a couple kind of informal surveys and stuff on Facebook about this before we did the podcast and um I know this game is considered a classic by many people. A lot of people have a lot of fond memories playing it because the, the 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 box is humongous and then the mat is just ginormous as well and it's just one of those kind of one of those classic like old school games from the 90s that has some
1: some uh just a cool feel to it. Yeah, it has good artwork. It's not too cheesy. It's it's really unique in a lot of ways, I think. So. Right.
0: And there is some there is some good lore to this. I don't know of any like novels, you know, kind of based on the game or anything like that, and I don't know of any anything else that takes place in this particular world or universe or what have you. But the one thing I thought was kind of neat is that each can- each battle, like I was saying, has a little, like, kind of flavor bit to it in the rule book about, you know, what's going on and where it takes place and what's happening. But also, each individual unit has its own battle standard, like an actual symbol, with a flag on a flag post that you put on these little plastic bases with the unit, and like all the all the unit shields have that same battle standard on it so it, it kind of has this idea of like a you know a cohesive army with different you know different squads in it and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. The ogres different. of the Black Hand and the goblins of Grim's Tooth. I don't know, I'm making crap up yeah. here. Also but... I see uh yeah,
0: Thinmore's Chaos Warriors and Gore Champion of Grimorg
1: and goblins of Grom and
0: Black Fang's Wolf Riders and you know things like that. So um it, I I did like that aspect of it. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and even even the empire has that too. It'll be like you know Duke so and so's archers and things like that. So I thought that was pretty
1: neat. Yeah,
0: I like I'm a lore guy. I like he, lore. He's
1: a lore guy. I'm a gameplay guy. Mm-hmm. So together as one, as we, brother as brothers, we we take care of this as board brother dads.
0: Yeah. The other thing I will say about this is because we are fathers, we haven't played this with our children. Um, did you play with your girls? No, no, I didn't play with because I I've, I've got four boys. Andrew's got three girls. So, sometimes we like to um, either simplify a game or just play the, the full game with our kids. We haven't played this with our kids yet, so. but I, I would say that this one would be really easy to pick up for children, just because there's, like, almost no reading. There is no reading. Yeah, at all. I mean, I guess if you want to read the rule book, but other than that, it's just, it's all picture-based.
1: Pictures and numbers. Basic right. numbers, five and lower, basically. Right, and then it's, a,
0: it's basically dice, die roll in order to determine, you know, who wins or loses in an actual encounter. So... And that, that aspect is really be really easy to play with kids. The only thing you have to be careful of is the 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 minis themselves can be a a tad on the fragile side because you assemble them yourself. So it's not like a solid, you know, plastic or resin mini. It's literally a mini that you kind of. Well, together. the horses yeah. are like that. That's yeah. It. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. And yeah. and chaos, chaos ogre. Uh, you're, you're you're saying it right. That's right. Chaos. Yeah, chaos. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I went to college. Anyway, so
0: um. You know, let us know, guys. If you you know have have if you played this game in the past, definitely you know uh, find us on on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Um, you know, you know at it's at Board Dads across across the board.
1: All platforms. All bro's. platforms
0: across the board. Uh, it's at Board Dads. That's, but if, if you board. guys if you have like some house rules that you would really like to use, let us know. If you've modified this in any way, you know that that you think is pretty cool, let us know. You know, tag us in a picture or something. It'd be awesome. Or if you have any, maybe, maybe there's a maybe you've recreated real battles from history. I know some guys are into that kind of thing. You know, let us know. We 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 uh we love to get feedback from people and kind of see how you guys have taken this game and made it your own.
1: You know what I think would be cool if someone like took this game and like tokened it out. Like this is Morador bro, and the tower is uh, the Eye of Sauron. It's you know the tower is the Eye of Sauron. You got the Chaos Army coming out to meet you know.
0: Aragorn. You would die before your stroke fell.
1: Yes, I would. Aragorn and his homies you know out there on the plains before the Black Gate or something like that I think that'd be pretty pretty cool to see something w- like that I think it would be pretty cool to have like the the game you know like going and all of a sudden like during the first
0: encounter like what business does an elf a dwarf and a man have in the Riddermark
1: yeah well you know um, if we're going to exchange names if you give me yours I'll give you mine master That's okay. right.
0: Anyway, now we got to pay royalties to uh, the token Tol- empire. The token
1: empire. Jeez, can you stop? Jeez, oh, we're gonna be out of our sorry, nickels guys. here in about five seconds. True,
0: but yeah. Anyways, look us up, guys. This is our first podcast. Let us know your thoughts. If you have a suggestion for a game you'd like us to play or review on here or talk about, we'll do us our up. best. We'll do our best. We're
1: also on the Board Game Geek. That's BGG for those in the know. We have our own guild on there, so check that out as well.
0: Eventually, we'll get a micro badge.
1: We'll get a micro badge and some other sweet, sweet stuff on there. Who knows? Maybe we'll do some sweet stuff.
0: Well, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. And stay tuned for more games. Stay bored. Stay bored.